0: Today I talk with Rich from Western Bike Events, a new MTB Enduro series set in South Wales for 2023. We talk about how Rich set up this series and get an insight into the amount of work that goes into it. Most importantly, Rich wants to get more women to sign up to his Enduro. And we have an open chat about the barriers women can experience when thinking about entering races and all the awesome things Rich is doing to combat them. We also get his perspective on the constraints a race organiser experiences in implementing these solutions that we may think are oh so easy. It is a longer episode than usual, however it's bursting with value so well worth a listen. If you are are a race or event organiser, have a female in your life who rides bikes or work for an MTB brand and want to reach more female riders with your marketing, then this episode is for you. But just before we do that, don't forget to head on over to the Girls on Wheels website and subscribe to the newsletter, where you can keep in the loop about upcoming guests and episodes, and be in with a chance to get involved. And please give the pod a follow on Instagram and Facebook at Girls on Wheels Podcast, and check out the pod's number one supporter, Shawny at Shred Lucky Girl. Now let's get into today's episode. welcome to another episode of Girls on Wheels podcast. Today I am joined by Richard from Western Bike Events. Is it Richard or Rich?
1: It's either, but Rich for this if you like. Rich. Rich, yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't want to full name you because sometimes people can think they're getting told off, can't they? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah, so Rich, you have created an enduro series in South Mm -hmm. Wales called Western Bike Events and you messaged you sent a few messages on one of my posts on Instagram, didn't you? And then I've ambushed you and said, do you want to come on the podcast and talk about it? Because if you've listened to any of the others, it's quite a current theme about girls getting into racing and like the barriers around that and stuff. So I'm really, really excited to speak to you today and really grateful that, yeah, you've put yourself forward for it. Um, So thank you.
1: No, thank you for allowing me to come on the podcast. Um, I think it, I got tagged in a post by, um, is it Tess mother no makeup uh, cake break? Yes. So she, she she tagged me in it with, with her pod and it was really insightful and it's, it's great to be able to have that, um, that insight in, into, you know, what the other 50% of the population experience in mountain biking. So it's it's, it's been a, it's been a really good listen as well, but it's also been a really, a really cool resource to, to refer back to, um, and, and as well with doing this type of thing, I think if I, if I don't come on this and answer questions and maybe learn some new things, I I might not, you know, I might not grow myself or grow grow the company to be able to diversify yeah. ourselves. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's, that's awesome. And that's um, like when, you know, you're saying that now and when we messaged about it, I was like, yes, because that's, that's sort of what we want to do. We want to, talk about it in a way where people can listen and be like, Oh, never really thought about that. And I've had quite a few guys message and say, I'm really enjoying these. I never even thought about that. One, one person, anyone who's messaged me though, by the way, you're going to get a message off me soon to say, please, can I use that as like a testimonial or review or whatever? But he said, now I'm starting to understand what it's like to be a girl in the mountain bike world. So Mm. that's really good. And I'm really happy with that But yeah, I think that's great that you've listened and you've thought, ah, because I guess if you don't, if you're not a girl and you haven't experienced it as a a person, you know, a female, then how are you going to know? You can do what you can, but you, you're not going to know, just like we won't know certain things about being a guy. Um, But hmm. yeah, <laughs> what was the, what were the main things then that took you, we'll, we'll get into like Western bike events in a sec, but what was the main things that you took from that podcast then with Tess?
1: So it, it was really interesting. Um, one of the one of the biggest things that I, I took from that uh, was you, you can't be what you cannot see. I, I think that's really powerful. Yeah. But it's such a it's such a simple change to make, and it, it's something when you're doing marketing that you, you, I think you've just got to be aware of when you're pulling all the posts and the promo t- material together. And and in terms of you know equality. Um, Sorry, in t- terms of uh, diversity, it's just such a simple thing to do just to make sure half of your marketing includes females and then maybe another percentage is, you know, people of different, um, you know, ethnic minorities or different um, religions and backgrounds. I yeah. Think. It's just, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, and, but one of the, so from the outset, we started, I, I went on routes. So this is really interesting, and I think it's probably some key things, hopefully, the listeners might pick up from this is, I was going through roots and rain at the enduro races of the m- most recent years, and I was trying to find stuff that you know wasn't another race organizer's branding, and um, obviously the permission of the photographer to use it for commercial reasons. And yeah, the there isn't a lot of women uh racing uh, to be able to take a picture from, so in, immediately I was like, oh, I am going to use women. But there is people like um, you know, is that, I think it's Francine Arthur. She's she's a really um fast racer. I think with the Southern Enduro Series. I think when the Welsh Gravity Enduro Series was going on at the time, she she was doing really well with that as well. And it's like uh, Katie Wakeley. So although it's pictures of women, it's pictures of elite women and yeah. still women. But I don't think it's representative of the, the sort of bigger cohort I want to get into racing, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I guess that's the the difficulty, isn't it? And it is like, you cannot be what you cannot see and in every, not just mountain mm-hmm. biking, whatever, like it's, mm-hmm. that's a massive, massive thing for, you could talk about that in so many different facets for fucking years. But <laughs> yeah, if I mean, Tess were talking, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Because mm-hmm. do you get all the promo material with like everyday riders, if you like, um, to pump out, to show you can do this race, you can join this. This is for everybody. <laughs> Um, but if there aren't people, so then more women will join, but if you don't have that stuff, then less women will join. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's what, what comes first and do, pe- do people want to invest the, the time, effort and cost into creating that marketing material and um, mm. to attract more women in like it's, yeah. What, what does come first? I think that's such a, an interesting question, but, um, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh,
1: so, yes, yeah, uh, another one was um, I think when Zoe Woodman was on, and uh, she brought up the the thing that um, women are stereotypically uh, caretakers and caregivers, aren't they? Um, and I don't want to make a sweeping generalisation, but with our entries after the after the event had sold out, the majority of people for the first couple of for the, for the first week was women joining the waiting list, and that, that kind of I, I didn't awesome.
2: understand
1: why that was happening. Until I'd listened to that podcast, I thought, well, actually, that that really makes sense um, as to why there would be a greater increase. Because, as you know, like, well, I'm not sure if you've have you got children, or anything like that. No, no. Okay, so um, yeah, so no, like, I've I've got two kids and I'm married, and um, typically it is a really big schedule, like meeting. You've got to like say, well, what work am I doing? what work are you doing? I'm going to go to a race on this date. Are are you arranging? uh, Are you doing anything with your friends? And of course, you know, I always make sure that uh, my wife, Sarah, she always has sort of, if I'm away racing, riding, she's got equal time with with her girlfriend sort of thing. Um, So it's always that you do have to think about who is going to look after your kids. Because even though my kids are only uh, 11 and 12, you know, they're still not old enough to look after themselves. And, you know, it's that reproductive burden that we we both go through as partners i think it's even more for women um is it's just when you have children it's a huge commitment and i think like a lot of the women who are signing up were you know potentially of that age who've got families you know or families around yeah. them which is which is really interesting and um, so one thing i haven't touched on is although i'm so the way we are set up uh is what it's it's an equal share between myself and my wife, uh, Sarah. So we're both directors in a limited company, which is Western Bike. I can still get on that bit. So I just want to get this out there. And uh, what, what I do if I have an idea or maybe I've got something is I bounce it off of her first. And yeah, you know, she, she does really balance my opinion. So I know she's not as vocal. You might not see as much of her on the socials, but on the other side of the business, she's the one doing all the logistics side of it, all the, organizing things like Port Loose, making sure we've got a gazebo and race day all that sort of thing so yeah you know i mean
2: yeah
1: so it's good to be able to bounce stuff cool. off of off her as well so I'll, I'll listen to the podcast and i go so what, what
0: do you think about this
1: <laughs> you know what's your thoughts on this and
0: yeah i know that, that yeah sorry i interrupted you then
1: no it's okay uh yeah so i mean so you get you get sarah to diverse, and, and, we both cut. So Sarah's a veteran. She did, um, I think she'll probably shoot me if I get it wrong, but I think fifteen years uh, in the army medical <laughs> service as a as a medic. Uh, and our, my nine to five job is I'm currently serving as an engineering manager in in the army. So we come from a okay. we come from a background where we've got to, you know, it is mandated of us to consider. Well, to, to live equality in, in diversity through, through our values. And so, you know, we've both got a good understanding of what equality and diversity is and what it means to sort of just make sure people are included and everything's equal. At the same time, you know, it's not all going one way either. It's, it's still an equal split, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and with that, yeah. it's really good to be able to bounce ideas off each other I think we do we both don't pretend to hold the answers to a lot of the questions but it's also good to be able to I, I've had one woman come forward I, I won't name names in case she's wanted but it's been it's been good to bounce a few ideas off, off of her as well on, on Instagram I, I think she's a well-known racer so yeah I mean yeah it's, there's a lot of info out there but I think one of the questions that we've had yeah uh, I don't know if we're going to get on later but it'd be it or tease it out I think yeah we
0: will yeah, what, what question are you thinking?
1: So it was the one about uh, the the women's rider rep. Have a thought about it. Um, and I think it would oh, be... Yeah, yeah so it's, we've been... To be honest with you, the people have been coming forward for digging and, and the, the people have been coming forward for helping with events has been predominantly male. Now, I don't, I'm not sure if that's because I'm a male race organiser and people are immediately identifying with me because I'm a male. But I've not had any women come forward wanting to do... Uh, a proper dig day and be actually game for it, if that makes sense. So I've, I go, oh, all right, I've got a date. Yeah. You know, you're, you're going to come and dig, the, and then they might not get back to me. You know, for example. Um. So I've kind of lost where I was going now. <laughs> um. Yes. Yeah, so, it was
0: a, it you were on the point of the inclusivity, um, champion, uh, a women's yeah, uh, rep thing.
1: Yeah. So I would really love someone to to come in and be. Um, to be our rider women's rider champion that would be really cool and uh, i don't think it could be anyone yeah. from any background can't it you know
0: yeah as yeah they love bikes and are in that racing sort of scene Then yeah that would be great um, and <clears throat> shall we do you want to talk about um western bike events because we haven't really said about that some people might be going i don't actually know what he's on about um <laughs> yeah. but, yeah. Do you want to sort of explain a little bit about what you and your part, your wife have set up? Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so I've always I like racing, and um, uh, out of all and Steve, as a runner, I'm I'm I've been a cyclist, and I've I've done enduro racing, and because I came into enduro racing a bit later on in my sort of cycling career, if you like, I, I'd I'd sort of um, I wasn't. As maybe good as other people of my equal age, uh, and before I'd done that race uh, in 2017, I think it was a UK gravity enduro race. Yeah, it was UK gravity enduro race. Um, in in a leader, So that was my first race. I would not recommend if anyone has is thinking about trying an enduro, mm. doing a national race as their first event. I would severely think you sort of scale that back <laughs> and do something more regional. That's the type of person I am. I dive in with both feet. <laughs> You know, and I grab things. I go for it. Go hard. <laughs> yeah, I also crashed quite hard <laughs> during that race and learnt quite a lot. um Number one, like my bike wasn't good enough. <laughs> what I knew to be riding racecraft wasn't good enough. So yeah, I mean, it could have gone two ways. At that point, I could have just thrown the bike in the bin and not done anything else. But now, luckily, I, I had the the bug had bitten quite hard there. Um, yeah, it's probably, it's probably worth me going back in time a little bit, I guess. Um, so I've always ra- rid- yeah. ridden bikes um i had like an old i think it was an ml thing it was in the in like the late 80s early 90s you know with the older the thumb shifter you as you increase the resistance the gears changing. so nothing too technical um and it yeah. wasn't really till i think i was about 22 um i really got into mountain biking and i bought a, a marin b17 hardtail and it was classed as a aggressive cross-country geo and to be honest with you, it, wasn't, it isn't too far off. Sort of some of the mo- modern geometry figures that we've got now, and that that actually oh, really? opened up the whole a whole yeah. It actually opened up a huge, whole new world. It had like a hundred and thirty of travel on the front, you know, it had like um, earlier components and all this sort of stuff. And it went through the old upgrade cycle. You know, you look at it after one ride, and you're like those great those brakes are crap. I could hardly stop down that downhill, so all that type of stuff went on. I love that, <laughs> yeah. that bike. I love that bike. Um, so I was riding and I'd, Enduro wasn't a thing then. It was mainly cross country and downhill. And, um, there was loads of like DVDs and it was the Earth series. I used to watch Earth all the time. So if I was ever lacking on inspiration, go and crank up Earth and then go and have an hour in the forest or something like that. Um, and that pretty much used yeah. to be my week and my weekend. Um, I met, I met Sarah, my wife, we, we got married, had kids and then I had, a break, I think that most couples um, with children can probably identify with is I had, you know, my son came along, and then probably a year after my daughter came along, and uh, we needed to take a break out. So, you know, I could support Sarah, get back into work, and I, I could obviously support the children as well and still, you know, do everything that we need to do. Yeah. Uh, and in that very short period of about, I think it was about four years, three, or four years, like mountain biking had taken on such a transformational change, uh, from, you know, one, three, seven quick release, uh, front wheel to now we were talking about something called boost. And then we were talking about, you know, mm. like solid quick release axles and, um, look all the, all the geometry was changing, you know, tires were completely different. And I felt like I'd actually had to start again uh so i did I I'd, I'd, oh, really? you know, at that point i would got yeah i would had to get rid of the bikes at one point um to be able for us to both to put the kids through nursery um I, again one person has to effectively lose it. so it, this is one of my things is like society is so unequal in this respect is like if you've got two working parents and one or, or, and one of them wants to you know, you've got to put your children into care so the other one can work full time when they're young before they can go to school. Even when they're in school, it's a problem as well. Um, mm. y- you've you've got to basically lose a wage. The nursery fee is it's huge. I think at the time, you know, it was probably two thousand pounds a month for two ch- children in nursery. Jesus. So that meant I had to lose my, and I've you know, Sarah said don't do it, but. We needed the money at the time. I wasn't earning too much at that point in time. You know, it was quite a few years ago now, probably, what, 13 years, 12, 12 years ago. So we needed mm. some extra cash. So some of the bikes in that went because, obviously, if they're not sat there, they're just wasting money anyways, aren't they? You know, yeah, just as well as sold them because it would have looked like I was on a retro bike when I come back. Fast forward all that stuff. <laughs> uh, Sarah got me uh, a cross-country bike in 2014. We were living in um, in Hampshire at the time, around the uh, not far from Portsmouth, and the riding around there's awesome. There's just mm. like it's like really sandy. Um, is it? Yeah, it's, uh, it's sandy. It's dry. In the North Downs, this is um, where we were, and it, it's just awesome terrain to go ride any time of the year. It does get a bit unridable. This is really strange. In the summer, like it gets so dry that the sand means you have to. Push, you have to ride downhill. And like that's just kind of like in the summer, you then progress a little bit south and go on the south downs on the chalky hills because they've now dried right. up and they're a bit more rippable, you know. So, yeah, it was it was really good there. And then uh that's when I got a full suspension bike. And it was a Trek Fuel, 130 mil travel. And that was about the point I got into Enduro. And that's when I did a National. So a National on a cross-country bike. And I thought, yeah, it's just how it used to be riding with your mates in the woods, having foot, it's like, whoa, I can't even, I can't even, I can't even ride down. I can't even walk down this. i Am supposed to ride down it? Yeah. Um, so I went, I went through <laughs> a really steep, I went through a really steep learning curve. Um. So what I'm trying to get to is, is that, so I started Enduro late. I really love Enduro. And I'd, I'd already organized a few races before that as well. And I'd sort of found, actually, I get more of a kick and more enjoyment out of seeing other people enjoy a race,
2: yeah.
1: other people have fun, getting more people who would be otherwise <laughs> sat around on that day in, into racing. And then I do, I mean, I love racing, it's exciting, but I mean, with the open nature of scoring Roots and Reigns, if you put Richard Bunting in there, you'll see I'm probably middle of the bottom third of races. I'm not particularly fast. <laughs> I think a lot of people think because I'm an organiser, I must be you know chasing a podium. That's not the case. Um, I'm just, no. I'm just your Mr. Average. I've got, you know, I just want to see more people on bikes, more people racing. Um, and I think that's how, that's how I came to do racing in, in my day job. I think when you had Jess on, she spoke about, uh, a grassroots series that the army does. Um, so that's yeah. something that I've grown from, from ground up. Um, can't really talk that's about it too awesome. much because we're talking about my personal business here if that makes sense yeah. so um because with western bike events i thought well actually I, I really there's nothing happening in south wales there's i mean there's a there's an organizer in there i think mini enduro are doing some stuff like between bike part wales and then there's a few Mid Wales races and fod races and i just thought well let's make something of south wales let's do let's get the scene back up and running in South Wales, and that has come with its own mm. um its own problems, but at the same time has come with its you know there's been some some very good positives from it as well um yeah one of the things it's probably a good it's probably a good thing to put a it's probably a good stereotype to bust here is that when everyone looks at social media you see people in south wales on on the hillside you know they look at these gnarly trails. And some of them, not even gnarly, some of them are just awesome trails been hand-built by locals, and they kind of represent the the culture of the people. So the people have gone, I don't want to drive to Avan or Kunkar, and I live in, you know, I live in Merver Vale. I don't want to pay for Bike Park Wales. Let's build a trail on the back of my my house so I can just literally go up and do laps or go around the valley. And, Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of the culture around South Wales. People have got a track on the mountain very close to their home because the way... You know, the industry and the culture and the heritage has moved. Houses have gone up to the valley at a certain point and then they're all backed up on the hillside. And um, one of the problems with that is the, the, the land is actually natural resource whales. Now, now previously, natural resource, NR- NRW, Siphacite, so NRW natural resource. Oh, that's whales. what that stands for. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, NRW um, in the past have tolerated uh I wouldn't necessarily accepted but tolerated some use of what we call a wild trail, so a, an off-piece trail, which is a trail that is not waymarked. It is not under the official trail network. If you were to ever get a trail map in a certain area, it, it wouldn't feature yeah. on there. But it's definitely there. People riding it, it's been getting built and there's been maintenance on it to some degree. So they, they've allowed racing on those trails. It comes under risk assessment, it gets insured. It's been fine. Um lockdown happened and there was there was an explosion in trail building and I think it was a bit of an eye mm-hmm. opener to, to NRW that actually they need to regulate this this activity. They need to um you know put some clear boundaries on people building and riding this stuff saying, Well, actually it's it's not acceptable you've built a trail here because you've just put an early drop over a scheduled monument, you know like a Roman fort, yeah. for example, um, this, there's a, some sort of endangered um, fauna or flora in that area. And you've, you know, you've gone and put a, a, a kicker or a corner through it. So on the other side of it, there are areas that are perfectly fine for trails, but they're also under the same sort of um, restrictions. So what needs to happen yeah. There's trail builders in South Wales, and I don't think anyone probably thinks about this in in South Wales because the, the area is so abundant and it's it's awesome. It's everywhere. You know, before you put a shovel in the ground, you know, a have you got permission to be doing that, and b, are you are you following what NRW m- need from you to be able to run a, r- a wild trail network? And there's there's been it looks like wild trails have been accepted by. Um, NRW in, in North Wales. I think you might. Have, I think this thing called um, the North Wales Trail Collective. I think I've got that right. Um, it's, it's like a collection of town planners and 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 um, people oh, okay. who work in the sort of legal realm, and they're doing really great work, like building a framework with NRW to to be able to manage a wild trail network. It's a lot of work, and that sort of that sort of activity has to happen first before. You know, you can even consider say, you know, saying, "Well, we've got some wild trails here. We're going to put some signposts mm. in, and others are tolerant of this, and they're happy. They're going to sign off on it." It could even be the fact as well um, that the trail might be accepted for an off-off piece, for example. But yeah. on on the other hand, it the impacts of doing a race in that area. Might be so high and damaging to the environment that it's you know they would it would still be a no to run a race. Uh, And a third point on this, and this is something as well, I think a lot of people kind of forget about, is the local council and the local authority. Things like um, open access forums, etc. There's a couple of places which would have been amazing places for races, but the the trails cross over things like footpaths and bridleways, and you you can't you can't block. Or obstruct a footpath for a bridleway. It's illegal. Likewise, you can't have mountain bikes using a marked footpath on a map as a, uh, what we call a liaison. So a liaison is a link between stages. Stages of the, what you what you race on.
0: Right.
1: Um, so liaisons are typically uphill, they get you to the top of stage, and then stages typically downhill, which is descending and okay. <laughs> Um If that's on a footpath, it's going to be really difficult. I mean, I probably has to guess say nigh on impossible to get permission for it. I, there was a, a bridleway I wanted to use for a race in a well established trail centre, and it um, they wouldn't and I don't would have been able to give permission for a bridleway either. So it's, I'm learning yeah. a lot as as well as an event organizer, and I think um, I do see I do see the coin from both sides on on wild trails and and how they how they're maintained and managed and used by by the public. So it's yeah. probably probably gives us a nice segue into uh, you know, how how we came about with um, our private land, etc. But uh, I probably yeah skip, I think skip forward. You wanted to ask me about Western bike events, didn't you?
0: <laughs> yeah, but that's that's fine because um,
1: yeah.
0: Well, in a nutshell, you've you've yeah, give it in a nutshell, and then we'll get on to some of those questions about uh, yeah how yeah. you actually got it started.
1: Yeah. So did a. Uh, one, so did my own race series of the Army, decided that actually I really want to run my own series and I'd love to do this because I've only got two years left of my Army career. I'd really like to do this as something I do when I leave. Um means Sarah's from Newport, I'm from the northwest of England and, you know, New South Wales is kind of like the northwest of England if you like, from some of the places in Cumbria. So it's, it's, not, it's it was kind of a natural... We'd love to, we were going to move to that area anyways. And we, you know, I love racing. I love riding. I wanted to do a race series. South Wales was that that thing. So we decided to do, we did some uh, searching really on Google, seeing what was practical um, from land perspective. So we got the land and then we decided that the only way to really set this up in a way that would protect us and also i think it's good for the competitors is set it up as a private limited company so both myself and sarah directors and you know she's a person of significant control as well as myself so it's it's like an equal share if you like so a pound but yeah it's equal share and um yeah yeah, and then we set ourselves up that way and we've we decided to get some six six
0: together and uh yeah
1: i guess we can go into an
0: Enduro series Mm. Yeah. Um, So which bit do you want to, what bit do you want to go through? Because, you know, one of the things that will be great to cover and like talk, answer people's questions is you wanted to make it accessible for everybody. And like you said, you're, you know, you're not an elite athlete racer, you just love it. Um, And you want to get, you get joy out of getting more people into it. And you've, you know, you're open to hearing how you can do that and improve that for people. So um, we had a lot of questions about like, you know, how did you actually find land? How did you Mm. get permission? How did you engage a local council? But then we got the questions about like the accessibility. So I don't know, do you want to, should we cover the the practical questions perhaps now? Um, Yeah. I mean, you've answered quite a few of them to be fair, but yeah. Someone's asked, how did you, how did you actually get private land to build on like what what do you even do because my head goes do you just go knock on the door of like a private (laughs) estate and say hey
2: yeah
0: well I don't even know how it works yeah
2: Mm.
1: Uh, well furious if I say brainstorming or, or mind mind mapping basically so when it became clear, NRW, and, and so I'm not writing NRW off, by the way, they, I just really want to work with them. And I think being able to race on their trails, or well, sorry, on trails built on their land by trail builders and getting that network going, that's r- quite a few years off. So to be able to do it, yeah. the logical conclusion is private land. Um, private land has its own benefits. You, you know, you are in a you, – you get yourself into a good relationship with the landowner, um. Things are a bit more simpler to organize as well. Doesn't mean we um, reduce on the what I call an operating envelope. So, an operating envelope is uh, risk assessment, insurance, regulation, guidelines, event management plans, and all the information mm. I'm pumping out as well. That all kind of comes into my operating envelope. And um, that's simpler, but it's still the same. I I still bring the same great level of organization just because I'm using private land doesn't mean I'm doing anything less than what I would do with an interview, if that makes sense. Uh, So yeah, Yeah. how do I find it? A lot of uh, brainstorming, a lot of head scratching, um, constantly going on Google search. Um, So one of the things that I clicked onto was four by four. So, you know, private land that's open to 4 by 4 usage, so they've already got off-road trails in their land, you know, so it's already it's already something there. You're already, you know, you're just maybe improving what might already exist, or, you know, in the case of Walters Arena, that is just an off-road, it is an off-road event location, you know, so we can put a trail in um, and, and build there. Right. The other example is a taff buggy. So way before my time on a bike, I think there was a series called Dragon Downhill. And um, uh, I believe that one of the founders or the founder was a person called Jason Carpenter, who's, you might've heard, Manon Carpenter, a World Cup downhiller. Um, That was was her her father. Mm. And they started up this series in South Wales using a mixture of private land. So, Taff Buggy actually used to be a venue back in back in the day, at like two thousand and ten, uh, and that's got a, a downhill track that I've rebooted and the farmer. Um, a lot, so a really good thing as well. But good tip: a lot of Welsh farmers now don't get a European subsidy, um, so they are looking to diversify their portfolios, you know, for 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 income. So they, are, you know, a lot of farmers in South Wales, well, in Wales in general, I imagine the country as well, are actually interested in. You know, doing something extra, maybe, you know, something ah. like having bike racing on their land is profitable for them and, and, it, and it's something that we can do. I think, yeah, so it, it's a lot of trying to find private land is, for me, has been a lot of using Google search, putting out the odd post down again. I've had a good guy come to me, a chap from Midwells called, called Grant Race. He's been really helpful, put me in touch with about three or four different landowners. Um, it's really useful because he okay. he works as a I think he's a truck mechanic or works in trucking in some way and he knows a lot of the local farmers. I think they must bring him the equipment to repair. And uh that's been really useful. Mm. He's given me quite a few bits of land to look at. So that's what it is. I think it initially getting in there, asking lots of questions and I think if you're if you to be in my shoes, it's it's not to get downhearted. It's not easy to find private land and People certainly aren't quick in coming back to your group of replies either, so you might you might yeah. be searching. So you wouldn't, I wouldn't expect within three months of you searching to find land. You know, it, I would say it's going to take a process over six months or even to a year to find. It's um, yeah, it's at a premium. Yeah, if you just if you get a map out, OS map, you'll see swathes of land across South Wales just covered in open access NRW area and it's trying to find those little bits of private land in between all that that that, you know that's going to uh make it work
0: yeah that that shows all the hard work that you must have put in then to create this series because they're they're five rounds right
1: yeah there's um so there's the six races um the, the final race is a is what i call champs so it's going to be double points if you if you if you were to race every single race in the series, you're in a you're in a you're in the series, right? Each race has got a set amount of points. And the final race is uh, double points, so it's worth doing the, the okay. last race to get double points. And that was that's for the series like league, if you like, or championship. And the actual champs, so the people who win the champs are uh, not only going to get double points, but they're our champions, if you like. So it's like a separate acknowledgement of their achievement as well. So they would be the Western Bike Event yeah. champions, uh, as well as winning the series. Well, assumption would be if you're on the purge, everyone's going to win the series as well. Um,
2: yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah,
1: yeah. In, that, in that mix of six races, I've put in trail center venues and, um, because you've got to have an on-ramp, right? You, I can't just have six gnarly races that only appeal to a very, like, a segment of riders. Um, I think it's great to have venues where it's it's a mix of ability, um, but you still mm. need to you still need to meet abilities. In the case of like my grassroots race is going to be what's graded as red trail at Avon. Um, and that's not stages like S4 or Graveyard for people who are familiar with that. They're, they're black, definitely very steep, very, indu- well, typical national level track. i would be using more things like corkscrew, zigzags, like a line through the bike, bike park in Free Cemetery. So that's a trail center red, which is probably for people who ride Bike Park Wales, it's probably more like an in between a Bike Park Wales blue and a red. It's, if trail grading seems to be, although it is an objective grading. It seems to be subjective yeah. in how it's applied in places. So my my assessment is, is that the Red Trail at Avan gives the best sort of – it. yes, it's good for enduro. It's got a bit of descending, but it's still going to be very fun. That would be my grassroots race, mm. which is round five. But at the other end of the spectrum, there's a, I've got another trail centre race in April. Um, that's still very accessible, um, but the stages are longer, the climbs – a longer, it's a it's a longer, higher day out if that makes sense because obviously we're descended, aren't we? So I always say things by distance and ascent. So yeah, yeah. And then and then at the, other, the other end of the spectrum is I really want to get people into in South Wales racing national races because there's so many great races, and it's a shame that they've got to travel um, either to North Wales or to England to be able to showcase their talent. So, the, you know, the next, yeah. you know, the, the next um, <clears throat> Tracy Mosley could be in a valley somewhere, but because her parents don't drive, um, she's never going to be able to go to either North Wales or, um, you know, or to some other place to, to be able to to to, be able to showcase the talent. I yeah. think, and you hear stories about, is it is it Jess, Jess Stone, um, really accomplished enduro racer and like the, the the extremes of effort that that she was having to do to be able to get into the the racing fold, like taking her own bike and going on the train herself to places like Ludlow to then yeah meet up with people she's only just met at a race previous. I think it's, it's quite it's quite tricky, isn't it? Whereas if in South Wales we've got racing on people's doorsteps, they might just need to ride over one valley and descend into the next valley, and they're at one of our races. So that's the other side of it, is it's been able yeah. to give a not so logical in the way the rounds are done. It'd be nice to do round one is the easiest, round six is the hardest. That'd be awesome. But it didn't mm. quite work out without bookings. But we've got on and off ramps through the series for people of different abilities to get them in and just really sort of pick those people up and then hopefully over time they can be at a certain spot.
0: Yeah, that's that's awesome, that is. Um so just want to what I'm thinking then is hmm. why do, why do you want to create a race series that is accessible for people like me who I've never done like an enduro race. I'm doing my first one at Ard Rock, but I'd like to have a go at more, <laughs> but you know, I'm all, yeah. I'm, I am know it's probably a bit like your inner leaven story where I'm like, shit, what have I done? You've got, um, you got to learn a lot. But, don't I need oh, I can't cope with it it makes me so nervous thinking about it um but yeah why why do you want to get people from like potentially the next you know national champ to someone that just loves having lo- loves being on their bike and wants to have a go at something like what what's driving that why do you want to do that
1: I think I, um I've always done a bit of sport and I've always felt better for doing sport as before I was doing enduro, I was playing rugby more than anything, and that's the thing. I'm not built like a cyclist either; I'm built like a rugby forward. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I th- for me, it's just it's the social aspect, and it's the you know you you're in you're in a group of people, or you meet people um, doing something that you wouldn't normally do. So you you're kind of pushing yourself a bit. We're already pushing ourselves a bit as mountain bikers. We already take calculated risks. We're already pushing our fitness boundaries by just simply getting out there and maybe sending a little route in in the woods, you know, uh, or yeah, or big drops and gaps. And I think for me, it's, it's getting people together. It's getting the social aspect. It's the it's the fitness, the mental uh, well being, and I think it's the case of like if if you if you if from a sporting perspective think of it sports as sport, it's sport
0: yeah
2: you have got a
1: goal you're going to train for that goal you, you know if, if you don't have a goal you're not going to train for it so how can anyone physically it's how can you be what you cannot see you know we've got a race series yeah we've got you know this is what difficult national level looks like this is what your sort of Beginner, improvement, advanced looks like this is what you need to do to get to that. So, so yeah, it I means for me, yeah. it's the social, it's the welfare, it's people. You know, it's the people actually motivating themselves to get out uh, and and do all that. And I, I think if people people can't see what you need to do from a racing perspective, you know, could say to people, look, this is what this is what a intermediate novice race looks like this is what a national enduro looks like based on my experience of, of, so I know I give an example of 2017 of having almost a car crash race, but I did make myself better. Mm-hmm. I did get coaching and everything. Um, and, and so I've, I've raced all over the country and, you know, this is what maybe a race at Graveway looks like in the Lake District or kinloch in in Scotland, you know, so it's a case of saying, this is what you've got to get. This is what you aspire to be if you want to race or you want to challenge yourself to that level. Um, but also it kind of gives people a, a, a logical progression of getting up to that point as well.
0: Yeah, that I never really thought about it like that. It's almost giving people the opportunity to have a go to see what it would be like to, mm. like, what level you need to be at if you were considering entering some other, like, race series. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's... I'm I'm also secretly in the back of my head shitting myself about hard rock now. Um, <laughs> however, what? So, my, so, oh sorry. I
1: was, was to say, um, um, I think my biggest advice would be: don't spend a hundred pounds on a set of pedals or something. <laughs> Absolutely good. I mean, you probably already know this. Is, is and I think, but more for listeners, is coaching. Don't buy bling. Absolutely, coaching is worth its weight in gold. A, a couple of hours with a qualified coach. Um, do a name drop here. Someone who I think is really good to Katie Curd. Um,
2: yeah, doing some she's off-piece,
1: great. Te- off-piece technique with with her will just pay off so much more than buying a new handlebar or something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it mm. tra- tra- transforms your riding. Yeah, really just...
0: yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it is a good point because you can. Yeah, it's it's a good way to spend your money. I've had a. I've had a little bit over the years, but I do feel like there's always something to learn. I seem if because I, I don't practice things enough consistently after I've done the coaching, I then hmm. feel like I forget, and then I can go down in my confidence. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. Maybe Katie Kerr can take the edge off this nervousness for me. Ha! <laughs> ah, oh my god, I can't <laughs> think about it. And um, so, what is your perspective of? females in mountain biking then do what what do you identify as a race organizer like when you were putting together the series as potential barriers for girls entering
1: so so yeah um i think there's two sides to it there's the there's almost a legal side isn't there there's the equality so there's equality and there's diversity but so i think equality so if i talk about things like reasonable adjustments that's what i mean to to try and meet an equality gap if you like um yeah so one of the reasonable adjustments i've made um was to make the women's categories uh equal to the men's uh in, in enduro yeah. i don't i can under it's a bit of a bugbear, bear it? and it's the same as what we're seeing with the the sort of upheaval that's going on with the uh i think the Mountain bike UCI World Cup—whatever they called it now at the moment—and they've renamed Enduro EDR at the very highest level uh, because if you break Enduro, you get EDR. And I get it why they might have done categories in slightly less in stereotypically, you know—typically less subscribed age groups and genders. You know, for example, for women they don't have the same senior categories as the men's, and they don't have the same junior categories as the men's because. Typically there's more, unfortunately. I'd love to see more women racing. Yeah. There. So I think they've always structured the categories around what looks good for TV. And that's that's a sad fact, is that TV is probably paying for the sport, so therefore, you know, people are gonna
0: They're giving watch. them what they want.
1: Yeah. as even talking about it, I'm uncomfortable with that. So for me
0: Yeah,
1: that's I, I would yeah sorry.
0: No, yeah. I think there might be a tiny bit of a delay, which is why we're like, uh, uh, sorry. Okay. Um,
1: And I, I think, so for me, one of the easiest things to implement was just equal age categories. So I think that's the easiest sort of um, reasonable adjustment to make. And, and what that's done is, it's not only made it better for a girl who's just getting into racing. Um, admittedly, I haven't got as many girl categories. I've got two girl categories, whereas I've got three Boy categories, under eighteens that is. Um it's because if you look at all the data, I would probably have a very well, hardly any subscribed girl category, potentially. So I've split that into right. two. But then after under eighteen, it's the same age grouping as men and it's the same three bikes as well. That's that's the easiest thing to do there because now I have more opportunities for girls to compete against <coughs> other girls going through the same biological changes as them. But also if we focus on women at another end of the scale they're going through significant biological change yeah. you know how can a woman who's in her 50s be competitive with a woman in her 30s there's so much going yeah. on that's completely different between the two you, it just it becomes that's where the sport becomes uncompetitive I think and, and potentially becomes not very fun it's not saying you deserve to get on a podium you know that's why we're racing it's it's still having that opportunity to be able to think that you can podium or do well against the people you race with, rather than maybe being yeah. fifty year old and chasing 30, 35 year old women round the hill and blowing all day, while the others have being able to have a chat and high five at the top of the trail, while you're absolutely hanging out having the same race, yeah. and paying the same money. And for me, that's that's the that's one of the easiest things to to change. And the other things we spoke about, which is you know the, you know having trying to get the marketing split right as well.
0: Yeah. Um, that's so true with the categories because, uh, you know, a lot of people might be entering to just have a go, not necessarily to podium, but there is a bit of a disheartening mm. feeling if you're like, oh, well, you know, I'm at the top end of this like massive category. I'm never going to, Was well, it almost, it could because of the way that a lot of females work is because we're like, oh no, we're not, maybe not good enough. That could then feed into that. And you could go, oh, there's no point because I'm I'm just going to be so bad compared to someone that's 15 years younger than me or whatever. Um so it's really good yeah to to recognise the the different things that are going on for women at di- and girls at different like ages. Cause yeah it's it's good to to think about that because a lot of people probably don't consider it do today. And that, that also falls. I mean, this is maybe a bit off on the tangent, but there's a common thing where like toilets for girls, because mm. if, if you're on your period, you do not want to go mm. in a bush to have a wee because yeah. it's just not practical. Um, and, you know, a lot of men might be like, Oh, I can't talk about periods, but they happen every month. They're there um, for a long time. And you It's, it can be, it it sounds so simple, but it can be such, if someone's on their period, it will make, they'll decide where they're going to ride because if they go in somewhere where there's no toilets, they probably, you know, depending on what day of that period as well, they might be like, nah, I'm not going to ride there because there's no lose. How am I going to sort myself out? Like that's, you know, that's the reality and Mm. accommodating for that just with a simple thing, like. Toilets and then I can't remember who said it, but toilets at different levels of, you know, halfway up the hill, for example. I can't remember where I've. Who said that? Maybe that was on one of my podcasts, but my brain's gone blank. Bit. No, it was. It, was, it can was make a Zoe. difference.
1: Um, yeah, I uh, think it was Zoe. She, yes. She brought up the. Uh, um, if you're a girl, would you be happy going across the arena to, 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 you know, sort yourself out and that and do other. And having obviously men showing the same toilet. So some some places, so one of the things that so this is where a reasonable adjustment becomes impractical, if that makes sense. Um so mm. at, at Taff Buggy, there's there's an access track all the way down at the very bottom. But in order to get an empty port loo down to the bottom would be easy. I think maybe getting a port-a-loo up to the top that's been used, um, <laughs> Might might make it yeah. a bit messy, you know, on the on the recovery of that portal. Um, but I I really do hear yeah. what what you're saying there, uh, and I obviously I don't know and I don't understand what you go through. Yeah. I could never do that. Um, interesting. I broached I broached the point with with Sarah. Um, so Sarah Sarah uses both tampon and and sanitary towel as well, and she was more the sort of inkling that perhaps you know you would consider that and you know you would make you'd either have a tampon in place so you didn't make a mess because my assumption would be it's not a great place for your chamois (laughs) um you know um, (laughs) and and it would be not great anyways you know i mean so you, you would you would know that you would have to go to a toilet stop and yeah yeah one of one of the things to Oh, one of the unique things about all my events, and it's kind of the way South Wales is built and the way my my land is, is that the the, the race trailheads aren't all too far apart from each other. And because um, it's not a tangent, I'll get to it in the point in a minute. Because the way South Wales is, all the towns are built up around the bottom. There's very well, there's nowhere really that's easy to get an event HQ in at the bottom of a hill, so that you can finish your race lap on the last stage on a descent most of our places you're kind of finishing on a climb but most well all the all the all the race laps are going past event hq so you're always going to be going past the toilets if you like um yeah we do plan to have um so Sarah's going to make sure that we've got things like wipes for the toilets and we've got the because they don't all come with sanitary towel bins either so we make sure we've got the, the little um nappy bags as well and I think um, we've also got uh, disabled and baby changing units as well uh, at ours our races. But it's the way yes. the the Portaloo companies they they give you a number and they recommend that number to the people attending. So I think for the the single day races, the fr- you know the it's a it's a one disabled unit and baby changer, and then you know for the the champs it's it's free. So because we've got a higher yeah. capacity at champs, there's like twenty toilets. So you know and a couple more uh so yeah but this is the sort of thing that a, a woman's champion would really help me understand um and i think at the same time a woman's champion would probably maybe understand some of the constraints that i'm on, under as an organizer i think and i think that's probably a good feedback isn't it you know
0: yeah definitely because you know like you say it's an impractical a reasonable adjustment because yeah of course you've got to think well yeah it'd be great to have a toilet top middle bottom but actually how can you do that is there the place to do it how do you logistically sort that out and i think a lot of people do need to consider the other side of the coin that Mm. yes you know a lot of these things if you could wave a wand would be great but it it just might not be possible but i just think having that conversation and just considering it almost will satisfy a lot of people because yeah it perhaps has been i mean i can't really talk so i haven't done you know i'm not like a seasoned racer or anything but you know i go to lots of different places around the country and sometimes yeah it it like you you know sarah said yeah obviously we know when it's happening and you sort yourself out and you you know but sometimes things can happen when you're in the middle of a bloody bike ride and you're like oh shit I, I, even as an adult i haven't gone through periods for however long you can sometimes get caught out and you're not organized and you're like oh fucking hell but yeah it's it's um we've also got to be realistic that yeah in an ideal world there'd be you know something but it it might not just happen but I think yeah having that conversation being open to hearing about it will for anyone that is like really ah, about it it'll be like "Hmm, okay look we are considering it but we can't do everything that we want Hey, it's me. Just a cheeky little interruption here to remind you to go over to the website and sign up to the newsletter. Give me a follow on socials at Girls on Wheels podcast. And if you're enjoying this, head over to podchaser.com and leave me a raving review as it helps me so much and I really appreciate it. Now back to the episode.
1: It's not not an expensive thing to organise either an extra port a Um, You know, I mean, it's it's not, it's nothing um that's too difficult to put in place either. Apart from that, I would probably need to try and find a trolley or something to move it around to the location. Um you got to think I've got a four <laughs> by four pickup. I'm trying to pick up a full port-a-loo It's like I say, an empty one is easy mm. to get somewhere, but when it becomes a, a biological oh, hazard yeah. and I'm not trained to deal with that.
0: Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> but you know, people help, my volunteers aren't necessarily signed up to deal with that either. I think uh, my wife Okay. So just a bit of cleaning and she had to be trained to do bodily fluids at one of the places. So there's all sorts of things around that as well. Um mm. at least we thought about. So it's I think getting yeah. in place, easy enough, recovery of it, quite difficult. But um so I just want to go back on to periods, if you don't mind. So my daughter, she was she was an avid swimmer. And I say was. Um she was doing really well. And you know, we thought she was probably gonna get a place on the squad doing some competitive swimming, and she got her period. Awesome. And, and it, it it changed a lot, if I'm honest. Um, she wasn't comfortable using a tampon. And I think from a younger girl's perspective, she wanted to use a sanitary towel. Um, and that brings up its own problems. Like, you know, she wasn't happy using the, the 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 menstrual cycle specific swimwear that comes with it because it looks completely different to all swimwear. So it's obvious what you're wearing. Um, so what happened is she yeah. lost her consistency. And uh, I think maybe that's... Maybe that's something the mountain bike industry can answer as well. You know, what, how do you account for women that don't want to use tampons? they want to use sanitary towels instead, you know, because it may not yeah. be comfortable or quite happy, or especially with girls not happy doing that sort of thing either. Um, yeah. So I totally get, I totally get what you're saying, you know, and, and especially as well, you know, women who undergo the, the period as well. I think, yeah, it's, it's what, like you say, it's a cycle, but it can be plus or minus. So it's difficult to plan for, isn't it? I guess. Um, but I think if we make things a bit easier yeah. for, for women, it's one of those, isn't it?
0: Yeah, definitely. And I just want to say fair play for talking about it as well, because a lot of people would run a mile and be like so awkward that oh, I can't say that word, period, or tampon, <laughs> or sanitary towel. But yeah, it's just it's just normal. It's just part of life, isn't it? We all know it goes on. It's like.
2: Yeah, it's,
0: it's yeah, not taboo, is it? It's just, it's yeah. just, no, yeah, it's just one of them. Um, I wanted I to ask right. you, because we, we, oh, sorry.
1: As they say the way, the way I see it is, um, you know, women are essential to all life on Earth, aren't they? So it's one of those, isn't it? Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Without us, there would be.
1: <laughs> no, no racing. <laughs> well, there would be racing.
0: would yeah. look different, though. <laughs> yeah, it would be. Yeah, it's weird to think about what a world would be like without the other the other half of it. Um, I wanted to ask you, because <clears throat> we touched on it before, about, like, you know, mm. you cannot be what you cannot see. What are your mm. thoughts around, like, getting all your promo material together in your marketing in regards to women and also people of colour? Mm. you got any thoughts around so, that or intentions? Yeah,
1: yeah, I think... um. So I'll hold my hands up. I was a bit guilty with my promo video. Um, I didn't have, because obviously we're a startup organizer, we, we don't have um, anything to go by. And um, it's very difficult to get an athlete who, you know, their sponsor would agree to us using them as, you know, an example in our promo video. So the actual promo video shows uh, a young man who's an elite male. And uh, it wasn't until actually... Uh, you know, Tess, Tess had, had hers one and said, you know, why would you use an elite racer? The bulk of your entries are, you know, Mrs. or Mr. Average. And I think that really did strike a chord with me. I was like, ah oh, fell into a bias there. <laughs> um but yeah. Yeah, so I'm happy to hold my hands up to that one. But um before that I was you know, trying to use equal I think anyway from from, from our experience through my career is just trying to keep things equal. It's to understand that, you know, it's it's not you it's using inclusive language as well so you know it's it's not referring to a sleeveless top as a wife beater you know it's a sleeveless top you know because domestic abuse is a very real thing um in yeah in the the world you know and and i speak from personal experience that with you know someone I, i know very personally so it's you know without referring you could be you could have got your notes and you'd be going through it and you'd be like wife beat her as a not a steve as topping you like hmm okay so you're, you're already you're already being sort of demeaned if that makes sense and so i think it's been yeah i wouldn't talk like about normally i've not i've not been brought up to talk like that and i've certainly values in my ethos isn't like that anyways but i think it's just understanding whenever i refer to a, a, a person in my promo material i'm not saying him you know make sure sh- if, if you're being overtaken by him You know, or when I'm doing a safety brief. So it's yeah. So it's using in the marketing. It's using uh, inclusive language. Try not to be too heavy on the pronouns. Trying to use equal, you know, male and female marketing. And so the people of color is really interesting. Again, looking through roots and rain, is you know, it was quite difficult to find someone of color within within the. Within within roots and rain, um, I have got a friend, uh, but again, he's in the he's in the army, and uh, there would be overlap there, so I can't use him. You know, I'd have to try and if he's yeah. attending any of the races. If he listens to this, he probably won't. But if he is, I, know, I need to get some pictures of him. Or her. I, I don't know any uh, women of colour either, so that would be really cool. Um, maybe maybe a subscriber or someone listening could you know get involved, send me some pictures. I'd love that. But at the end yeah, of it, okay. I think it what it what it is it's a uh, i think it's um not necessarily an echo chamber it's maybe a reflection of mountain biking i think cycling as it is it's it's probably not as culturally diverse as what it is what, what no. it could be um,
0: no it's not is it
1: yeah and i think that's that's yeah that's how would you encourage that? And I think it's um, so kind of nice little segue here. Um, and I, I don't want to do too much of a plug. So, working on my objectives and aspirations, and one of the things I want to um, provide, hopefully, the series this year is a success. Next year continues to build on that success, and then I'll have some capital to not only sustain the series but able to offer free racing for children. So wow. I, I want to give uh, all my races. A certain amount of tickets under 18s, you know, you race for free. That removes that barrier. Maybe they've not got parents who can afford it, but they're a really good rider. Maybe they've got friends who've donated them a bike from a bike shop. Um So I think understanding that, make removing that barrier at an early age and letting those people maybe from um, – and it's, it's anyone, isn't it, white or black nowadays, they're coming from impoverished backgrounds, um, that ability to race. Because, like I say, the next – you know, Tracy Mosley, Steve Peek, Greg Menard, um, Jess Stone could just be there. They just don't have the, they don't have the yeah. mechanism. They don't have the gateway to get in.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's such a lovely, like great idea because it yeah creates an opportunity for people that don't have the opportunity because it's going to be a classic case if you cannot be what you cannot see in like black and brown communities, because if you haven't mm-hmm. got like people to look up to role models, people that you see on your bike, then how do you know that you can also go on a bike? And it, you know, this is, this goes back, doesn't it? To when we're fucking born and there's so much, it, that's not just a mountain bike thing. That's a fucking world thing, a world problem that we need to address and keep working on. But yeah, what it's a great isn't it? opportunity yeah. to be able to, yeah. And it do, it makes me feel like I'm like, you know, I've got white privilege and I feel like, oh, it's, you know, it makes me feel ashamed sometimes because I'm just, I, mm. you know, I'll never, I know I'm here on a podcast talking about girls not in the sport. But I'm hyper aware that there's a bigger issue with the representation from brown and black communities are not here. And that is, that's massive. Um and there's some things in the pipeline that I'm doing with one of my friends that we're going to have some conversations around this, which I'm really excited about. And she's agreed to chat about it. And I hope that that's going to like expand and we're going to have these conversations because they need to be had. Because, yeah, it needs to be had around women. But, that, you know, it's I, t- I think that the people of colour is a bigger, much bigger, deeper issue that, yeah, we don't want to not talk about because it's it's there in our to talk about it? it? Um, yeah yeah definitely, definitely and but yeah, that idea of being able to give back and create that pathway for people to come in is just amazing. I love that. Mm. I wanted to. Did, someone asked a question, what happens to the trails? so are you planning on this being like a every year there's going to be a series, and what happens to the trails when you're not racing?
1: yeah, so there's because um, of private land, there should be so some places i'll start again so it's private land you 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 shouldn't really be on there without landowners permission um right but so there's a but so walters arena that is a live uh off-road test facility and they also do um like uh, close protection so you know like security firms and they do the you know for foreign Mm -hmm. dignitaries and vips they do that sort of uh training and i think there's BMW do an off-road experience as well. So if you buy a brand new BMW off-road bike, you get a free package and that happens at Walters Arena as well. So what I'm saying is Walters Arena is a very dangerous place outside of racing. Don't go there um, because if yeah. like, people flock there, yeah. you're going to jeopardize events in the future. Um, the other side of it is if you go to places like, uh, so like Taft Buggy, that's near Pontypris. The farmer, as like I said previously, really open to diversifying his, um, you know, his income, and if you were to get together as a, a club and you can demonstrate to him that you know you're all insured under your club for riding, etc., you know, you would probably be able to enter into an agreement with him and be able to ride the trails there. Um, obviously you'd have to pay him some price for for using it, like an honesty box or something like that, uh, and you know. I would like to think as well, if people are going to ride the trails that have put a lot of effort into it, not just me, there's been like a whole load of volunteers as well, like local people, like tons of work's gone in, that you would also not just ride the trails, but hopefully, you know, think about maybe joining us on a dick day or, you yeah. know, if you see something wrong, pick up a shovel and sort something out. Um, Yeah, so the the trails are there. In some certain instances, like Walter's Arena ap- in Glen Heath, absolutely do not go there outside of racing, please. That's a huge plea. Please don't go there. Uh, it's a tap yeah. buggy. You just need to speak to the farmer. And, you know, he, in the days of the, when I spoke about the Dragon Downhill series, he, he did used to do, like, professional team training because if, um say, if you're a professional race team or you're a, you know, you want to do a Photoshop for a new product you're about to launch, you're supposed to really get permission and go through um, either Forestry England or Natural Resource Wales NRW and uh, go for the full Full process of getting permission, and you know, not knowing it. it's the permission process is is quite long, and uh, it can take quite a while to plan things. It's not impossible; it just takes a while to plan. Um, and yeah. maybe you've got a space in your diary, and you want to just exploit something. Then, the private landowner for something like taft Buggy you, that that gives that a company that sort of flexibility to be able to film people on gnarly trails with the right insurance and permissions yeah. in place, as long as he's right, and then. Another sort of third order effect as well is, again, that permissions process, you know, you can now use somewhere – it would be the same for Walters Arena. People just need to get in touch with the, the person who organizes, who manages the, the arena, and organ, although their calendar is really hectic, you know. And it's like you'd have to – you could organize maybe coaching days, but you'd be then able to coach people on off-piste trails – Legitimately, yeah. legally, and you know, all that sort of stuff, um, through fr- fr- there. Uh, whereas, like, in you know, as I spoke previously, the majority of off-piece trails is on NRW land, which you won't get permission for as a business. No, but, uh, yeah, yeah. See, there's some happy third-order effects, if you like, second-third-order effects from it, which is really cool, I think.
0: Yeah, that's really, really cool. Um, god, I wish I lived down now, like, my. Me and my friends—we joke. We're like, "Let's build, let's build a women's only bike park." Like, you know, getting way carried away, going, "Yeah, just women that build it." But then, when that happened, we'd be like, "Where are all the men to help But Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting in now, our brain's going tick, 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 like, yeah, yeah.
1: We'll, do, do, we'll do you know what Daniel? The, um, the it's really it. interesting. Um, I don't think I've ever ridden a trail. Um, I know there's the the, the line that uh, Veronica Sander did. Um, was it revs Was it, it revs Yeah. I know there's yeah. that line and there's probably a couple of jump lines, but I don't actually know of any wild trails that have been built by women. Um, and I think it would be really cool um, to see that, you know, more women on the tools. Maybe it might, you know, it's typically men that do it. It could look completely different, couldn't it? I, I don't know. It would be really interesting to see. Um,
0: yeah. I, I wonder, I'm, that's made me think, um, put a shout out for any, like, women out there that do dig and speak to mm. them and see what the crack is. Cause I'm hyper aware that I do wet, ride all sorts of trails, but have never picked up a shovel to help. And I am conscious mm. of that because I enjoy trails that people have put time and effort into. Um, mm. So yeah, I do really need to give back. It's definitely, but then I'm selfish and I'm like, I just want to ride my bike if I've got that time, which I know is completely selfish. And I hold my hands up to saying that. People will be like, "Oh, yeah. you should be helping," but yeah, I should. But then, if you've got limited time, yeah, I'm just selfish. Also, I don't so even know how to build a trail, so I wouldn't even bloody know where to start. That's it, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah.
1: Getting get a group yeah, of experienced um, people together. Um, that's what I did with our races. Uh, sort of um, started. There's there's no there's no um, so there's courses for doing trail inspection and there's courses for doing trail maintenance, but there's nothing for doing a hand-built trail. And there's certainly there's no a competence course and there's no like national framework like a degree level type activity. Um, there's, there's basically I think it's Imber's uh, Guide to Building Amazing Single Track or something like that. It's a big old school book like that. Everyone's on all the pictures of people from the bikes in the 90s, you know, like proper, mm. got the, the bull bar horns on the edge, and they're really upright riding, you know, and anything <laughs> that's steep is described as not very good in the book, you know, it's, it's a bit outdated, but that's the only resource that I've managed to find that actually sort of lays it out to you as to what makes a good trail in terms of when you make your bench cut, which is if you've got a steep hill, you want if you were just to ride that steep hill, your tyre would drift down with gravity, right? you want to be able to kind of
2: Mm. put a
1: bench in it. So it kind of looks like this. Um, Yeah. People are listening. I'm saying it looks like this. So you've got, um, you've got like a, what's called the back slope. You've then got the tread, which is flatter for your tire to go on. And then you've got the, the down slope, which is a bit beneath the tread beneath the trail. So it it tells you how to construct that in such a way that, you know, it's sustainable. You know, you're not, you're not just raking a, a route in and then it rains. And then that, that trail's destroyed. So it's telling you to think about, um, you know, drainage, sustainability, how to construct on certain and various grades, things like using natural obstacles so that the line doesn't, over time, you're not going to end up with a motorway section. You can constrain riders by corralling and round objects, etc. cetera. Um, and it gives you a good insight yeah. as well. So one of the things I tried to build to begin with, and I'll, you know, I'm ha- I always say I'm happy to learn. Was a switchback and, it turns out a switchback's quite a big thing to build, and it takes weeks to build. Um, so I try to avoid really a switchback to where you uh, do a full sort of 270-degree turn on yourself, isn't it? Uh, so trying to avoid mm. doing that sort of uh, build work, if you like. Um, but, yeah, that's the only sort of resource that I've come across about amongst all the other trail organizations across the world that actually puts it into how to build a trail. Uh, and then it's a case yeah. of, for, for, for me, um I had to get experienced people who are faster than me, who actually have been building trails as well, to be able to give the perspective of this is how you build a trail with flow for someone who's who's faster. And then it's also taking – there's another person I know who works at, um, you know, who works at a private bike park. And, you know, he's saying things right. like you've got to think about on corners there's an exclusion zone. So if someone takes a corner wide or they come off, you don't want them wrapping themselves up in bramble or – get themselves caught in, in trees and things or the fallen logs so it's it's been like it, you've, I think you've got to realise that your one brain is much better if you've got lots of brains involved and, and that's what I've yeah. kind of done with my approach to trail building you know it's knowing that there's a lot of experience out there there's a lot of people doing it commercially and professionally as well and it's kind of getting their point of view and, and then the other end of the scale is yeah. you know when the series does a lot better I can start paying companies to do a lot of this work for me as well <laughs> But at the moment, it's all yeah, it's all volunteer yeah. and it's all my own week. I think every weekend since July last year, I've been digging. Um I've given myself a good weekend off to spend with family, but yeah, I mean, I'm in need of uh, some family time at the moment.
0: <laughs> yeah, sounds like you've been putting in the graft. Yeah, Um yeah. that's 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 awesome though. Yeah, the set, I'm just thinking about all the my friends fella. He builds trails at Canuck and they are absolutely amazing and he's so like ages and he has people yeah he, he, he has people help him and stuff but you just sort of think where did he learn that craft I'll have to ask him actually Rich if you're listening Abby let me know like where did he learn did he just learn from his mates when he was younger did they learn from their mates when they were young like their parents whatever it's really interesting um yeah because it's a it's an art isn't it?
2: Yeah, it's, it's
0: madness. There
1: um, you go. No, no, I thought you were going to say. I think I put it in. Sorry, I'm interrupted.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm a, I'm a bugger for interrupting. No, it's okay. It's because I think that they just there's a slight delay. It should be fine on the recording for the podcast, but sometimes this can happen. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know what I was going to say. Don't worry. Um, oh yeah. This wasn't what I was going to say, but I've just looked at something, um, and it is going off on a tangent from digging. Do you know mm. what the male to female ratio is of race entrance so far?
1: Mm, yeah, it's. Um, I'll be really honest. It's 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 low, but it's not woefully low, um, if that makes sense. But it's lower than mm. um, comparative series, if that makes sense uh okay i've been thinking about that and i think um so for example at Tough buggy out of 330 so 330 people because i have extra spaces for media and people who don't really understand their schedule until last minute um let them in so you, out of that there's 37 women out of 330 people so what you know 200 and crap, quick math, 293 people are um men <laughs> or identify as men. Um so and uh, with uh, with SI entries it doesn't 10%? give a, uh, is that
0: ten percent.
1: Yeah, just I've actually got it hanging around here, two seconds.
0: I sorry, I was just so, thinking if it's three hundred and thirty people and thirty ish women. It's ten yeah. percent in it. Is it just yeah, under ten yeah. percent? Um
1: I think so. I put it in our little notes, um, but the image isn't rendered too well. It looks like 10% if you just use the image.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And I think there's a few things that could be impacting that. Um, I I think Mm. you broached on it before is, no, it's an unknown. And my races are of unknown quantity as well and unknown difficulty. Does that play into the psyche of not wanting to push yourself? trying to think about this emphatically from a woman's perspective. Not trying to push yourself because of the fear of hurting yourself and then what that could mean for your responsibilities, for example. Whereas a uh, yeah stereotypically a bloke's more like,
2: Yeah, let's go for it. Ooh. Do you know what
1: I mean? Um mm-hmm. you know, new race series. And um yeah. There I think there is a there could be a bit of that, although it's unconfirmed to me at the moment. Um I don't, what would your thoughts be? You know, it's a brand new series. You, you don't know anything about it other than a couple of descriptions.
0: I guess I don't know if it it would be like specific to that event or just racing in general. But for me personally, it would be. Oh, South Wales is another level to you know Canet Chase and Woburn Sands where I was yesterday. So I'd be thinking, that's hmm. that's up to level. Am I fit enough? Um, Would I be okay? And do I know anyone else that's doing it? Do I want to go and do that on my own? Mm. Uh, Probably more for me, like a beginner's fear of, I don't really know how it works. Shit, what do I do? How do I get around the stages? Like, what happens if I get lost? All that sort of stuff. So the, the fear of the unknown would be a barrier for me and not maybe having a mate to do it. For me personally, I'm not so bothered if there's loads of guys there it's nice to see loads of women but that wouldn't be something on its own that would put me off but it would be mm. more the for me can I it's way also. I'd feel a bit intimidated by that I don't really know how an enduro thing works I wouldn't think that I was fit enough I mean I'm saying this and I've entered that bloody hard rock thing um, I know yeah <laughs> and, but only the intro one because I was told the intro was the easiest one but I've Oh, don't. I can't. Honestly, I need a nervous poo every time I think about it. Um, I think think you definitely need toilets at the start of trails for nervous poos. That's it for all race organisers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, forget about periods, I just, nervous poos, man.
1: Yeah. Do you know what? I just, on race day, I don't have breakfast or anything. It's just liquid only because it is, I do get nervous. I get really nervous. Uh, I think it's normal. <laughs> you know, you're about to do something yeah. really silly. <laughs> yeah. Am mm. I going
0: to die? Um, mm. But yeah, just in answer to that question, that would be my, my things personally, but... Probably just more the general disparity in women entering races that goes on everywhere versus something personal Mm. to Western bike events. But this, you know, these conversations that like we've had today and you being open to it and other people being open to it is the start because then it can just take a bit of time to build up. And then, yeah, it's not going to, it's not going to change overnight, is it? It's going to take
2: time and
0: effort and work and that's why this chicken and the egg thing is important because if that isn't done it's never going to change it you're in like a catch-22 someone's got to give first mm. almost and is that the responsibility of the race organizers or is that a thing that girls just need to think no nah, it's fine we'll just go for it like it's yeah mm. interesting yeah i think
1: it's i think it's like you you assume not just an- so, certainly, my I've pumped, I've put out a lot of information. I think, um, I hope I put out enough information. Um, I'm not getting too many questions, so I'm either thinking people aren't reading it or they don't know where to find it or they have read it. So, I hope it's the last one. Um, but I think, I think it's our duty to kind of nurture, um, pe- people like yourself who are get dipping their toe into Enduro because it, it is completely different, uh, level of. Riding to so just say riding trail set and having a cruisy run round the bike park, there's a bit more to think about. Not yeah. just the trails are different because they're natural and they're affected by weather. It's also racecraft as well, like we've broached on. You know, like as a man, I've never had to think about some of the stuff you've got to think about. So there's like the, the race, what I call racecraft, which is hydration, nutrition, um, fatigue levels, sleep levels. There's so much that goes into it. I think, I think enduro can be quite daunting. I also think that's probably why it's it's good to have um less um at, like you know on ramps less arduous events than the others to be able to give people that ability to dip their toe in the water and then they don't go ooh that was not what I expected. I wasn't expecting a sort of really steep rock outcrop that I had to skid all the way down and just about survived. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: because at, sa- yeah, at the same time you're want to scare people off, right? And you know, you bring up a great point, it's Like it's just interesting, and you know, are, did you have you done bite part whales or anything like that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you get the yeah. yeah I, so I think, like, certainly. I think Tough Buggy, although the uphill at Tough Buggy is going to be tricky, mm. know, it is what it is. <laughs> the um, but yeah. Mm. So round two, round three at Coru round five at Avon. they there, you know, round round three would you know you would need more fitness for that, but round round five would be, you know, that's going to be lower elevation. And I think it's, you know, it's it's difficult. It, it, how do you communicate that above? All information and videos and stuff, but I do. I think it's probably word of mouth and experience and promotion, isn't it? After the event, you know, I've got a, I do have a, I do have a cut off, I think, on my, well, not I think, I know I've got a cut off on my events for minimum numbers. If I don't meet that, I can't run a race. And, um, cause I'm not sponsored, it's all crowdfunded or my own personal investment. And, um, for that to work, I need to have a minimum number. So hopefully you get lots of, I get, Enough people to be able to then promote the event for future years. Say, look, you know, yes, it is a race in South Wales. Yes, it's at a trail center where you might not go, but actually it is a very achievable. It's very doable, you know? Um, and I think on that. Yeah. So you bring up a great point as well. So my races are the mashup format. Now, mashup means is that you can race any stage um, in any order and as many times as you like. Um, so, you're not constrained to any sort of like timing schedule or penalties for being late, etc. You just, you know, you ride up in, under your own steam, make sure. Yeah. And at my race as well, uh, marshals will be briefed if people request a, a bigger break for the rider behind, um, you know, so they're not being chased. If they want a longer break, then they can get that longer break. That's not a problem.
0: Yeah. That's great.
1: Um, yeah. And majority of the races because it's mashup we're all kind of going back to the event hq anyway so you would ride up you'd drop one you'd be back at event hq you can recuperate um and then go out again or you know you could just do one big loop be out for a couple of hours come back it's entirely up to the rider of the mashup and it takes that it takes some of the complexity away with what i spoke about things like race craft and managing hydration nutrition fatigue levels and then um obviously you know gender specific problems as well and i think with that is that you're there's no restriction on you having to follow like a set loop if you like so with a standard enduro yeah. format is you get given a so you've experienced with Vardrock you'll have a time that you're going to leave the arena you so you you'll come up you'll get your bike checked you go for the start beacon in the arena then you'll head off up the mountain and you'll do each stage in order as you practice them if that makes sense so you're like typically depending on fitness levels i only ever practice the stage once i haven't got the cuz i've got asthma i haven't got the um, endurance to do lots of practice on on practice day so i only ever ride a loop once before racing it and uh, when on race day you're already do or, or if you're on a race that is a non mashup in the morning you'll do practice in the afternoon you'll do the race so you're already dealing with fatigue as well. Um, so the difference yeah. in mashup is you can manage fatigue levels. You can manage your expectation as well, because maybe I might put an easier stage in. You might race that stage and absolutely nail it. And then you'd be like, actually, I, I don't want to do that stage. I'll just do the more trickier stage. Or the other end of the spectrum, maybe you're an novice. You go, that stage was a bit much for me. I'll just stick with this one and improve my skills. And then I know what I need to do for the next race I go to. So yeah. Yeah, I think that's yeah, yeah. But I, 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 I hear just, what you're saying. I think I think the old um it's looking at South Wales, looking at big steep valleys, and then going quite a tough place to ride.
0: Go, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I was just thinking then as well. In order to obviously there's there's probably different tactics to attract different groups of people. I would say so mm. if you wanted to like for yourself or anyone that else was listening that do races if you wanted to attract like you know everyday average riders like you say um females in particular you could do with someone that represents that category doing the race or go into the venue for example and having a go when it's not like the race time and then spreading within their networks what it's like because it is word of mouth so if I for example someone I knew went and had a look at a track and rode it or they did the race before and then they said look I've done this this is what it's like from my level this is my language the way I describe it from where I'm at this is what it was like and then people can look at that and go all right okay so I trust Dan this is where Dan rides normally this is she's very honest about being scared or what you know what's steep to her they it's like you get you gauge a level of your mates of how good they are so if someone says oh no that's easy you'll be like well actually they're riding the blacks at bike park wales with their eyes closed so that isn't going to be easy for me um does that make sense so like getting a varied yeah. varied load of people that can then spread in their networks and like you can use on your promo stuff just like as a story or something or get people to mm. like write a blog or I don't know to to get it from that, that person's perspective um does that make sense this is just me sort no. of regurgitating yeah, this just- as it's come into my brain but I know that I mm. would if I was looking at say for Rock, I've there's some of my friends have done it and I'm wary of them saying it was all right because one of them's really fit and she's good and um, but If I could read a bit of stuff from like people on social media that are, uh, you know, normal riders, so Mm. you know they're who they are. I hate that social media is a thing now, but it is, I guess. Um, Then I'd be like, "Oh, okay, I'm I'm getting that information. I'm not just reading it off a website of what the race organizer has said. I'm I'm getting it from a real life person that I can relate to." Mm. Yeah. Everyone waffling
1: um no you're it's validation isn't it you've uh you know you trust the people who you ride with and they're they they validate if it's too difficult or not isn't it i mean um i think is it lib is it um yeah I was watching some of her videos at wind hill and that i think someone like her would have no problem at taff buggy you know at round one it's off piste it's got rocks but looking at what she rides she'd probably be all right you know to scale it like that um I think you're right. It's it is put into. I think it is going to need that word of mouth. It is going to need that nurturing. It's going to need that encouragement. Um, and I don't think it's necessarily difficult as a race organizer. Like I say, um, it could also be like my network needs to probably be stronger from a, a women's perspective. Like I say, you know, probably if I could know more women, like a representative to come to the races. Sorry. Ahead of time, m- not necessarily dig, but maybe just come and do some promo stuff with me. do so, you know that that would probably really pay off as well, I imagine, because that's how pe- that's what happened with um, the person the, the the person that helped me uh, sort out tough buggy, a guy called Dorian Thorne. He owns the local bike shop, Extreme Culture, and, and he um, well actually it's a guy it was a chap called Wayne Bowler, so Wayne gets his bike fixed there. This is how it all works, isn't it? Wayne gets his bike trust Hmm. these trust this guy to fix his bike dorian got in touch because you know he also wants to do some business coaching guiding and sort of expand his business a bit tough buggy's perfect for that it's on his doorstep so it's kind of that relationship there and then that sort of network immediately broadens like through his sort of first circle of friends and it'd be really cool to be able to do that um through the women's side um and i'm not sure if it just comes back to the there's not as many women um in mountain biking, as men, and it's hard to come by. Maybe I've got to go looking for that. But then, you've kind of touched on this in your other podcast. Is you know, as a man, and you're trying to comment on stuff. Are we, you know, damned if you do,
0: damned if say, you don't. Yeah, yeah, isn't it?
1: You know, you know, it, it's fine if you comment, but is it fine? I don't know. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Um, I mean, I yeah, I sympathise.
1: Yeah, I, I think, I think you're right. Um, it's. Yeah, I, I, it's it is difficult, but I don't know. Maybe I just need to be a bit more forward and ask ask more questions. You want to come come along and take some pictures or or whatever? Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: yeah I guess it, it depends because obviously you're a, a busy. You've got a passion behind it, but there's biz, there's a business element to it as well, isn't there? So yeah, you know, down, you've got to sure. be realistic. That got to be realistic. That um, can't. Yeah. If you've got a marketing budget, for example, mm. do you want to spend 90% of that? Um, the guys from Mudhugger said this, actually, I'm hoping to get them on the podcast, but they were like, it's that conundrum of, do you spend the money marketing to a group of people that are very undersubscribed? But this is the chicken and the egg thing, isn't it? Um, mm. But I think there's, there's constraints with it because do you want to spend loads of time? Because it's time as well. It's time, it's effort to get people to promote to like the pool of women mm. average day rider type women um that aren't racers necessarily but that want to have a go at a few to then spread the word around the women's networks but that's how it will build it will build from one little seed and then it will go because it, it, to appeal to the groups of people that are underrepresented you've got to You've got to start within the centre of that group, which is the normal people within it. They're not the; mm. it's not the elite athletes or whatever. It's the normal people, um, because I, I just think with. I mean, I don't know for sure, but I don't. I don't know this for sure. Maybe I'm just chatting shit. But I, a lot of mountain biking for me, the the main bulk of people are in the like everyday rider category, and then the elite athletes are a smaller percentage. The bulk of your mm. people. Uh, the uh, the hobby I love mountain biking I do races just for myself I love having a a crack and there's a lot of disposable income within that field of people because adults that have tended to got got to the sport like in their adulthood versus being a kid and like growing up with it all um that's for me that's like as a business if that's where the majority of your people are why wouldn't you target everything at that but then I understand that that's not it's not as simple as that. That's just me being ignorant and just chatting. I think chatting um, shit. But I,
1: I, I think for my, for my, for me, it's it's a um, it's, it's a network. So I mean, there are other organisers doing other stuff. It's probably worth giving them a plug as well. I don't want to sort of pretend to be the old font of knowledge on women's uh, inclusivity and diversity. Things like the PMBA series. have got a spoke women's series. And then I think like uh I think Zoe was saying, like Scott Summon and does um quite a lot of working with women to improve it, and obviously he's got a lot of uh background as well to be able to promote more women through racing and speak to more women. And I think that's where it's gonna that's where it takes for me, and I think it's personal effort to grow a women's mounted bike racing network. Um because it's probably easier for me to interact with a man and go, all right, mate, do you want to just come pick up a tool? You have said you want to help out and then grow it that way. Um, and, you know, it's typically more men getting in touch as well. I don't know if that's because they identify with me. Um, but I think it needs, because I'm a man, I think it needs effort from me to get in touch with women to grow that network. Um, I, I think at the moment, because of just, I've got so much on. It's probably easier for me just to, to sort of do it with men. And I don't think that's a failure. Yeah. I think that's, it's knowing that there's that bit more effort done. I've got more time in the calendar. I've got venues that I need to do recce at. Um, you know, like the the uh, the ones on trail center, I've got to be able to go and ride around them and do some bits and pieces for my risk assessment. And then, you know, it's kind of maybe branch out and get into other people. And, and I hear what you're saying about the, um, not using an elite athlete. I mean, because I've been in the same position as again as I, I did with uh, that that elite male on the promo video. It's uh, using maybe an elite females, so maybe not necessarily because something I've really noticed as well. Is, um, it's like, is it Cara Beal? She's got loads of followers, you know, and it's she just mm. she's just her riding, you know. It's just she's just riding her bike, and I think that's really cool as well so I, mean, yeah. I think that's that's the sort of platinum level isn't it you know someone who really loves their bike they've got massive follower account. they come and do it and they sort of validate to other people who, de- who identify with that person that
2: yeah this
1: is achievable isn't it you know um so this is great chat actually i'm learning already i've already i noted that down when you were talking about you know it's a bit more personal effort on my behalf to try and get that you know yeah okay so when
0: you're strapped for time you've got to be realistic you're a human you'll go to the default which is what's the path of least resistance and Mm. I need to and that you know that there's no fault there it's just how we all work and but that's where perhaps the difference is and what will make the difference if people don't Mm. just go for the path of least resistance and just spend that little bit more effort to to just yeah to connect with the people they want to appeal to and not being I I do sympathize with you know that's why I keep saying it that it's probably Mm. like a bit of a like fucking hell how am I going to pitch this are they going to think that I'm you know if you wanted to contact a, a female but it's all the language used isn't it and I think you know there's some knobheads out there that that you just know they're a knobhead immediately I'd say in the main if you're a a nice normal person then it will be received really well and if it's not they're mm. probably not the right person for you to use anyway because you don't want mm. someone that highly strong that reacts like a bottle of pop because you've said oh hey I've, i'm doing an enduro series and i actually want to encourage more women in like if they react badly you could be like you're not my person because <laughs> there are some arsehole women out there as well where you're like jesus christ but no (laughs) i mean yeah but yeah it's yeah i'm glad that you're yeah it's really interesting conversation my mind's going ping 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 but i'll chat to you after about the ping ping pings um Mm. but fair play rich for like you know being so open to talking about it and considering it and you know saying about how it is for you and not, you know, just having like a nice honest conversation because it's really refreshing and yeah. good to put on your point of view as well. That it's not just because we as women might say, oh, but this would make it easier, it doesn't mean you can just go click my fingers and I'll do it. There's actually constraints that you have as a business, a race organizer, a human mm. with limited time and resources to actually be able to do it. So that's a really good point that I think everyone should remember that might sound easy in theory, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it can be done.
1: Yeah. I think there's, um, so for me, you know, lowly startup doing all right, selling out around and the other ones looking really good and the other ones need a bit more attendance. But um, I think some of the more really well-established ones, if you look at Hard Rock, I think they have over 7,000 people attending over the weekend. It's huge they've certainly got the budget to have strategically placed Waterloo's and they've also got the access because you're using roads over moorland, well-established, you know, tracks. So, um, yeah, I I think it's a case of some organizers, I think definitely can, I've got, but you know, it's not, it's not a problem. I don't even think it'd be a problem from risk assessment perspective either. It'd be because they can provide training. They've got the budget for it, you know, but for me, we're just all volunteers now at the moment. It's probably a bit more trickier to, to do than than say someone else has got the yeah. time resource budget and like say just a human, but um no, it's it's, it's definitely eye opening and it's definitely interesting to get the perspective, you know? And mm. I feel like I've got I feel like I've got my point of view over and it's been really interesting. I've got some good points to go away and work from as well, I think. So it's just really
0: cool. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Thank, like, thank you so much for, yeah, coming on. I hope that you've enjoyed it and it hasn't felt like, I don't know, that I was firing things at you or that, yeah, I was blaming you for anything. So I'm always conscious of that. That, yeah, some people out there that will be like, oh, you know, why the women's only rides? What about the men? I'm not saying that you were this at all, and you're like, it's not, it's not anti men. It's pro women. Like, you know, it's not. Mm. It's not mm. an anti-man thing. It's like a yeah. Yeah, pro-women. But anyway, it's been amazing it's this... to chat to you. I, I really appreciate your time.
1: That's okay. I've, I've loved it. And, and... I, I, really like, I really like listening to your podcast as well. And um, as it's pretty really good to get the, like they say, the other 50% of the population's perspective on things, isn't it? <laughs>
0: Okay, so Richard has reminded me about my own podcast structure. <laughs> <laughs> completely forgot the end bit. <laughs> mm. God, I'm such an idiot. Yes, the quick fire questions. How could I forget? We were going to miss out on your squid noise. Um, okay, <laughs> right. Who who is your mountain bike crush?
1: So it's um it's a man crush, and it, it was it's been Steve Pete for years. Uh, I used to watch um. I brought up previously I talked about the the Earth DVD series. So there was a oh, magazine yeah. that was in. There was a magazine. Do you remember Earth? Do you? It was, uh, no, I'm um, no. So there was a series. There was a map. There was a mountain bike print uh, magazine called Dirt Magazine, and uh like above all magazines, it used to have like I think, in my opinion, the best write ups, the best pictures, and the best reporting, and um they uh they used to do a series of DVDs to summarise the World Cup downhill series at the time um, when it was in its uh, when it was becoming a bigger thing, and it was called the Earth series. And he uh, did some really cool videos on that. And he just once you you know you sort of identify with a character like at the time as well. I was I was single. He was hedonistic. I felt kind of resembled sort of messy weekends and then riding a bike while a bit hungover or something like that. You know, mm. um, and like it just. He works. He works so hard to, to do what he does. So it's, he's got natural talent. You know, knowing what I know now from trail building, he's built all these trails in his backyard or, or with the help of locals as well. You know, he's invested so much more back into the sport. And I think it's, for me, just to, and his crazy ability and his British right. He was one of the top competitors for years. You know, for me, it's just that all-round mm. sort of well-packaged good guy, I guess. <laughs>
0: You've thought about that, haven't you?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Have you ever met him? Uh,
1: no, no. I'd probably be starstruck if I met him. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, sign I was going
0: to you sound like a a, a proper fan. Like, yeah. oh my god, it's my yeah. idol. I love that. <laughs> um, that is the most thought out question. Like, uh, thorough, no, I can't think of what the word is. But yeah, that's that's the best answer so far. Uh, where is your favourite place to ride?
1: Oh, so many. This is really tough. Um there's so, a so this place is really well known. Loads of people ride there, so I'm not divulging secret trails or anything like that. And it's a place called um Pool is how you pronounce it, but it's P-O-N-T-Y-P-L-O-L. And uh, the trails are just another level. There's like there's one trail called the Glenn and you go on these very tight switchbacks at the end because they've got to try and stop motorcrossers going up the tracks and destroying it all. And th- there's like a 200-foot drop on the left-hand side, and they've had to put oh, safety net, and they stop people going up. And then these switchbacks, are, if you don't have the bike, if you're not up high in the corner, and if you haven't got your bike lent all the way down and you haven't got your hips pointing where you want to go and looking, you ain't making the corner, and you'll T-bone the, the switchbacks. Uh, and, like, the whole trail is really long as well. So by the time you get there, because you've been riding fast, you, you're already blowing. And um, it's like, just to have that level of technique and concentration to get around that is just, you know, it's just something else. And the, the trail's been really well built as well, because I think the chap, the two chaps, is a guy called Jess Goff and I uh, can't remember the other guy. It's Carl Jenkins, I think. Um, Jennings, Carl Jennings. And uh, they've both got, like, World Cup-level racing either enduro or downhill I think and um so they've they've designed it to to be what they ride when they're not in the UK if that makes sense it's yeah. like in their own backyard and the trails there and then there's there's like loads of other trails as well I mean it's so oh gosh it's so hard I mean around uh again this well-known place Risker Bike Park that's uncum Khan the trail center so the stuff drops off on the what they call the Risker side the south side of the mountain. And uh, the trails there, again, just a dedicated group of, like, volunteer middle-aged blokes building trails, what they like to ride. And, like, they just do so well in all weathers. And, you know, bless them, they, they're up there, I think, every Tuesday night. There's, like, just five core blokes that sort of, um,
2: oh, wow. again, it comes
1: would be awesome if to get more women doing trail maintenance, but, like, five core blokes um, just making sure the trails are all safe and, and, and rideable and... In that whole area they, they nickname it the golden valley and um there's other trails i don't think i could probably talk about those public on a podcast but there's i mean that whole bit around there is just amazing and uh it's really difficult to compare in so much so it's it's biased like mine and Sarah's house searching um probably more mine actually house mm. searching prospects where we're gonna settle after our time in the
0: in the army yeah where where are the nearest mountain bike trails that's so funny god i've been on right move and google maps bloody endlessly thinking oh where's where would be the best place and doing distances yeah like how far how long would it take me to get there how long would it take me to get there all based on mountain bike stuff it's mad isn't it um what's what still scares you like what is there a feature or a particular thing within biking that still makes you shit yourself?
1: Yeah, I, I I can't jump, and I've never um really dedicated myself to jumping. Um, it's one of the reasons why I like enduro. In ju- jumping, certainly drops and r- riding rough terrain and body position around that. But jumping would probably make you a faster rider, but it's not the be all and end all. Whereas downhill, I feel you've got to be able to send a tabletop or a gap because that's where all the spectators are. The, the jumps are typically at the bottom of the course. And just to come along after doing probably a really good run higher up, and then you kind of get to the bottom and you're like at the end, sort of, uh, you know, just yeah. rolling over the jumps at the end because you're too scared to send it. Yeah. And, and for me, it's like being a dad, <laughs> um, you know, like I think if I absolutely case and over the bars and then maybe brain my neck or my back on a, on the jump that's me out of action that's me not really contributing to family life that's not me potentially not earning a wage you know and and so for jumps for me jumps are scary and, and you know I'm probably biased as well in saying this that the most people I know who ride enduro hurt themselves the most on jumps not necessarily training for enduro or riding an enduro race so you know probably uh probably something I've just Bias myself into, but yeah, did jumps and uh, I should probably do better. I should probably pay for some coaching, like I've probably just you know take a bit of my own medicine and and do that and get over it mm. and you know get rid of two arms But uh, yeah, I've not been in a situation at the moment where I couldn't do, I couldn't complete an enduro race because I couldn't do a jump. If that makes sense, so I guess when that time yeah. comes, I might have to bite yeah. the bullet and do a jump.
0: <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah. I know what you mean, like the, the risk when you're an adult with responsibilities and a yeah. job and like mortgages and like you for you children and stuff like it does definitely come into your head doesn't it about like what what level do i actually want to get to because i don't yeah. really want to completely screw myself up here um, and yeah. my, my ego and yeah, takes for me though I, I scare myself how oh. <laughs> so
2: yeah so like <laughs> yeah but i don't
1: There'd be, I was saying I don't send jumps, but there'd be like, there might be a bit in the trail where you, you have to do it. I know I can't do it. So I roughly get in the body position and I'll be barreling along at speed and I'll go for it because I know my ego is then saying, well, <laughs> you're going to be slower at Strava if you don't do this than this person who you, you equate yourself to. Strava's probably not very good for that. I'm terrible for it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, there's probably taking more risks than what i should really take you know and it's yeah my ego is really bad I, sometimes <laughs> it's got to be bits but oh man, I've, i dislocated my shoulder a couple of years ago and this is totally ego-led as well i was a uh, it's a place um Triscum, it's called it's another well-known place i'm not difficult or anything triscombe near um in the quantox down the southwest and um there was this bit where a tree had fallen down it just been some like spring storms and they dug a fresh trail but um it hadn't quite got down to the bedrock so it was still very wet and very slick and I went down this expecting it to still have tons of grip like the rest of the place and I didn't really have a totally wet wet weather tire on but it was raining um and I was mm. just having such a bad time on the other trails forgot about racecraft. just everything went out the window and just ego and wanting to go fast and just look really good in front of everybody just took over so I went down and there was this gradual right hand and I went too fast and I come off and I just made this crap decision rather than just trying to lay the bike down and fall over just to ride it out. And I continued to ride it out and I hit a tree and it was this shoulder, my right shoulder. And I hit the tree with such force. That I dislocate the shoulder rearwards and it does that little break on the top. So I dislocated it rearwards and I also broke the bone on top of my um, shoulder. Luckily it all rehabbed back together. but um, Yeah, I my ego just I know when it's coming now, and it's you know I'm nearly forty, <laughs> and it's like I'm still dealing with ego issues. It's terrible, isn't it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's funny, um mm-hmm. I don't yeah my my fear is bigger than my ego, so that will kick mm. in way before, but I know what you mean sometimes if if people are watching, it can make you go for me anyway, I'll be like, I've gotta ride this better because there's people watching me um but ego. yeah, that's funny yeah (laughs) um what would what would one tip be for someone that wants to dip their toe into enduro racing
1: 100% get yourself some coaching don't don't waste money on a piece of new bling or new kit for yourself or for your bike invest in coaching Uh, coaching will take you from what they call unconscious incompetence so that's you're doing stuff wrong and you don't know it to conscious incompetent that is you know you're doing stuff, something wrong and you can do something about it so you get them you know you start getting onto uh, conscious competence and then it's eventually unconscious competence you know you're doing stuff right all the time and it becomes reflex like a professional you know and it's like they give you some hard truths with a coach they tell you you know you're not doing this right you know you you know you and they really for me they really broke down what you need to do on a bike to ride it successfully off trail centre. Because I think yeah, I think it's a bit of like, if you're on a full suspension bike and you ride trail centre, there's probably a lot of bad habits you're doing that you don't know about until you go off-piste and then you'll try to, say, ride a route and you might not weight your bike correctly and you've got all your weights on the route and that means you're going to lose a front wheel rather than waiting and sort of making the bike go light. Yeah um and it's really breaking it down how you handle because one of the things as well so it's like um do you remember that show called the office i don't know if younger people would probably remember this but there's a a show called the office and there's a lead character yeah david brent it's a ricky gervais thing and he does the david brent arms he goes (laughs) do you know that one where he's like yeah brings his arms yeah? (laughs) yeah and um like someone told me if you've got your so the coach told me like if you've got your arms straight you can't lean your bike as far and it's just a simple experimentation he just said bend your elbows bring your chest down to the um the stem and now lean your bike and then uh, what do you know you're like your bike's suddenly able to carve around a corner and it can t- corner much tighter than what you've been used to previously so it was really cool yeah. to because that's, cause leaning, cause you've got to lean the bike I think more off when you're more off piece rather than turning the bars um, to 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 get more grip off that front tire. So yeah, I mean, bit of a tangent there, but absolutely coaching over bling, hundred percent.
0: Yeah, and you you said Katie Curd was a good coach, didn't you?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think um, yeah, she's got some really good. A lot of a few mates have done it. Um, I've spoke to her as well. She's a great go- great person to speak to. Yeah.
0: Yeah, she is good. I've done a few of her like group courses. She's she's ace. I want to be like her when I grow up, um, for sure. <laughs> okay, so finally, then the bit that sounds like you've been waiting for, maybe you've practiced. Mm. I get the sense. What is if a squid could make a noise? What would that noise be?
1: So yeah, you're right, I've been practicing it like. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it. That's very animated.
2: Mm.
0: <laughs> I love that when people do it as well, they move with they move with the noise. Like it's very hard <laughs> to make a good impression staying still, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. Thanks, thanks, Rich. Thanks again um, for coming on and chatting and reminding me to do this last bit as well. Ah.
1: No worries. <laughs> yeah,
0: I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of girls on wheels if you enjoyed it please head over to podchaser.com and leave me a review and don't forget to tell all your mates if you've got any comments or want to get in touch head over to my socials and drop me a message as I love hearing from you guys I hope that by listening to this today it's made you want to get out and ride your bike